Welcome to the Design 30 Podcast. My name is Jason Bilyeu, and in this podcast, I provide design strategies and tools to improve creativity, innovation, and overall design confidence. Today, we will be talking about positive and negative feedback loops. But before we get into that, I need to say, as always, please subscribe to the podcast on whatever your podcatcher app is. Uh, You can follow Design30 on Instagram, and you can also become a subscriber on YouTube. And then, as I've mentioned a lot in the past, I also have a Substack, so you can find Design30 on on that Substack and become either a paid or a free subscriber there. And then I also just want to announce that I will be uh, posting as a guest blogger on a a website that is, I'll keep a secret for now, but I will release that this week, most likely. Um, So yeah, keep your eyes out for that. I will definitely be posting a lot of links to it on Instagram, and perhaps we'll even shoot that out uh, via my Substack. So make sure you are a Substack subscriber so you don't miss that post. Now diving into the meat of this episode. So we are going to be talking about positive and negative feedback loops. Uh, These are something that I think often get confused. People often assign uh, good and bad to positive and negative feedback loops uh, where it actually doesn't say anything. Once you understand what a positive feedback loop is and a negative feedback loop, it really doesn't say anything about whether or not it's good or bad. It's very contextual, depends on what's happening, what the environment is, uh, and that is what will determine whether it's making a pot, well, <laughs> whether it's making a good impact or a bad impact, or whether it's what you want or what you don't want. So the de- definition that I like from, I pulled from the Universal Principles of Design uh, goes like this. A relationship between variables in a system where the consequences of an event feed back into the system as input, modifying the event in the future. So it's just a relationship between variables in a system. And when you perform something, an action or event occurs, there's feedback that goes back into the system as an input. And then that modifies what happens or rather modifies the output from that system, which is then fed back in as input, and then that comes out as output, and that's how you get your feedback loop. And this is important in design because as you will see very soon, there are a lot of potential positive or negative feedback loops that can creep into your design, they can creep into your business. Essentially every action you do, there is a possibility for a positive or negative feedback loop. So it's really important to understand these two uh, concepts. So putting it simply, a positive feedback loop is feedback that increases or amplifies uh, the output. So it's an event that amplifies. And then a negative feedback loop uh, reduces that event, it dampens. It's an event that dampens the possibility of that event happening again or increasing over time. Going back to the positive feedback loop, you can think of it as you have some variable A, which then produces a variable B, which then that produces more of A, 
which produces B, which then produces more of A. And you can kind of see how this just creates an exponential growth. Uh, but it can also create very chaotic behavior in a system. Uh, things can tend to run out of control when you have a positive feedback loop because your event A creates B, which creates more of A, which creates more B, which creates more A, and it just continues to fan out or to exponentially grow. And then with the negative feedback system, or feedback loop rather, uh, the goal or rather the result is typically stability. A negative feedback loop is often trying to maintain some sort of equilibrium or homeostasis. It's trying to maintain that same state and it resists change. In this case, some sort of change happens to the system, pushes it away from equilibrium, and a negative feedback loop pulls that back to equilibrium. It kind of works against these big, or not even big, it just kind of works against these changes in response to or in proportion to the size or the impact of that change. So it's always trying to maintain stability. And a good way to understand these, as always, is to look at some examples. So the first example for a positive feedback loop is looking at a microphone in a speaker system. So when you talk into the microphone, the speaker amplifies that and sends this amplified noise or music or sound out into the world. But if your microphone is too close to your speaker, then your microphone actually peaks up or picks up that amplified noise and then it goes back through the system, amplifies it again, comes out the speaker, and then the microphone picks up that amplified noise, goes back through the system, amplifies it again. And we've all heard this when someone's trying to set up a microphone and a speaker, right? It's that loud feedback, that screeching noise that is just like one of the worst sounds you can ever hear, just pierces your ears. So that's an example of a positive feedback loop. It's the sound just being amplified over and over again by this system. Another example, and a lot of these positive feedback loop examples tend to be negative, um, or at least they tend to be bad things. That's definitely not always the case. Uh, however, a lot of the simple examples of a positive feedback loop just so happen to be uh, <laughs> bad things. So those are what a lot of my examples will be. However, definitely don't take away that all positive feedback loops are bad because that's absolutely not the case. But the second example is social media and clickbait news. The idea here is that a company, a news agency, agency, whoever it is, puts out some clickbait news to see how people react to it. And if on social media, everyone is clicking on this and sharing it, that's going to send feedback to this uh, news agency, whoever whoever's releasing this article uh, that people like that clickbait news. So what are they going to do? They're going to write more of it and they're going to put that again. And if you click on it, share it, like it, they're going to see that as well. And there is, it's this positive feedback loop of the more you interact with these clickbaity articles, the more they're going to put them out there. So it's just going to grow and grow and grow until something happens that causes it to, to decrease. Maybe that's people eventually get tired of it. And then that starts coming back to some uh, homeostasis or stability. And that's actually an example of a negative feedback loop. And as you'll see with a lot of, in reality, a lot of these positive feedback loops will grow out of control for a while, but then there's something that will control them and bring it back towards 
some sort of stability, some sort of homeostasis state. Uh, but a third example of a positive feedback loop, uh, this one I pulled from, again, the Universal Principles of Design, which, again, I can't recommend enough. I think it's a really good, simple, approachable book for understanding a lot of these concepts. Uh, but they give the example of a football helmet. So early on in football, helmets were made of leather. There wasn't really any padding or any sort of of protection or extra protection built into it. So there was a lot of injuries, a lot of head injuries, neck injuries, things like that. So eventually they decided, well, why don't we build these things out of a hard plastic to protect the head and the skull? And we can add some padding on the inside, which should add even further protection. But what they didn't account for was now you put on this plastic, hard, padded helmet, people are going to hit each other that much harder. And now they're going to think that their head, brain, and neck is all protected. So they're going to act even more reckless. So this is, a, is an example of a positive feedback loop because this change, you know, this change to the system, the system being football, actually, instead of reducing injuries and reducing head injuries, caused them to increase. This change that had been hoped to be a negative feedback loop to reduce the number of head injuries and neck injuries to some uh, smaller, lower level, some stable, low level, or low rate of injury didn't actually work. It increased the amount of injuries. It increased how players were playing uh, or increased the amount of recklessness that they were playing with and actually led to harder hits and more injuries. And here's where I want to throw in a little side note for what we talked about a couple of weeks ago with the cue collar. And in that podcast, I described how this new device, a cue collar, uh, uses this cool, innovative idea of actually increasing the blood volume in your brain to reduce space in there for your brain to move around and, and get traumatic brain injuries. And I think this is a really good example of a change that actually wouldn't be or wouldn't cause a positive feedback loop because that cue collar is very unlikely to uh, make someone feel more protected or more invincible. You know, it doesn't have that same effect of this hard plastic helmet uh, with this nice padding on the inside all around your head where you feel protected. The cue collar is just this little thing that goes around your neck and it is protecting you in this way that uh, we described or I described in detail in those previous episodes. Um, however, it's not giving you that feeling of invincibility that I think these harder padded football helmets are doing. So it's much less likely to have this positive feedback of actually increasing injuries uh, to the head and neck area, as we saw with plastic helmets versus leather helmets. So that's positive feedback loops. Now let's move on to uh, negative feedback loops. And again, negative feedback loops are typically used to maintain stability, to uh, maintain equilibrium in a state uh, of homeostasis, you know, trying to maintain the same state. Uh, but they can, uh, the negative side, well, the negative part of negative feedback loops is they can lead to stag stagnation, uh, unchanging, they can be non-responsive. Uh, so there definitely are uh, outcomes from a negative feedback loop that aren't necessarily good. Uh, so there are bad aspects of a negative feedback loop, even though a lot of these examples, again, that I'm going to give will tend to be more uh, positive, the positives of the negative feedback. loop. it gets confusing, but I think you understand what I'm saying. So the first example is 
police enforcing the law. So this is an example of a negative feedback loop because let's go through a quick example of you're speeding, you get pulled over, you get a warning from the police officer and they tell you to not speed anymore. And that has a tendency to, for most people to reduce uh, their speeds. They're a little bit more cautious when they're driving. Uh, If you're going, you know, 20 miles per hour over the speed limit, you're going to get pulled over and you're going to get a ticket and probably a fine. And that's a good way of uh, incentivizing people to stop speeding. And if you're going, I think it's double the speed limit or something like that can actually be considered a felony. You can do jail time for that. And so again, that's a really big uh, response or feedback to something that uh, the police are trying to prevent. So they're trying to maintain this stability, this this safe environment on the streets, safe traffic, uh, encourage good drivers, all of those sorts of things. So it's trying to maintain this safe and stable and uh, predictable traffic. So that's the goal of the police enforcing the law. It's a negative feedback loop. They're trying to prevent people from doing these things that will cause instability in the uh, environment, in your city, in your town. They're trying to maintain a stable, predictable, uh, safe environment. Another example that we're all very much familiar with is a regulation of temperature. And this can be regulating temperature in your body or even in your house or your apartment. Uh, Starting with your body, when you start to get too hot, your body starts to uh, perform processes that actually reduce your temperature. This is why it's often recommended before you go to bed to take a nice hot shower, maybe do a sauna, because for your body to fall asleep, your body actually needs to drop in temperature uh, by a few degrees to help get you to fall asleep. And so by taking a hot shower, your body begins, I don't know the exact processes, but it starts to perform processes actually cool your body down. And then the same thing happens if you take a cold shower or do a cold plunge, your body tries to heat itself back up. So that's why doing that in the morning can actually be a good thing because that's when your body naturally, as part of your circadian rhythm, wants to heat up and help you feel more awake and maintain that natural circadian rhythm throughout the day. And then also a thermostat in your house, uh, it's trying to maintain a a constant temperature or at least close to a constant temperature. So when you open the door and allow a bunch of cold air in, your heat is going to kick on and it's going to heat the house back up to that temperature. If you're cooking on your stove and you're dumping a bunch of heat back into your house, then it's not going to kick on. It's going to allow the cold, well, it's going to allow the heat naturally dissipate from the house and not kick on your heater, which would actually just keep increasing the temperature of your house, in which case you would then have a positive feedback loop. So that's an example. If your thermostat for some odd reason was set to turn on and turn on your heat whenever it got, or whenever temperature rose, that would be a positive feedback loop and eventually your house would be unbearably incredibly hot. So you don't want that. So with a negative feedback loop, your thermostat is responding to these natural temperature changes or temperature changes in the house in such a way that it maintains as close as possible a constant temperature inside the house. And then finally, a third example of this is something that probably none of us actually have much experience with. Um, It's a Segway, and I'm curious if anyone has actually ridden a Segway. 
for there was a time I remember when I was, oof, I don't know, probably like 10, 12, maybe early high school where segways were starting to become kind of a thing. People thought they were going to take over cities. Uh, they were going to be used for doing tourist attractions and uh, I don't know, all sorts of different areas. People thought segways were going to be a pretty big hit and pretty influential. Anyone around today realizes that did not happen. Um, but they are actually a really good example of a negative feedback loop. So on a Segway, they're always trying to maintain balance. Uh, obviously, they don't want you to fall backwards or forwards, trying to keep the rider, for the most part, straight up. So they have systems built into it where if you lean really hard forward, it reacts and moves the wheels so that it stays underneath you. And then if you lean backwards, it also spins the wheels to spin them backwards to keep you balanced straight up. So this is a negative feedback system. The amount that you lean forward or pull backwards, it's going to react in proportion to that to keep you as balanced and as standing straight up as possible. So again, the design and the system of a Segway is made to maintain this stability and it's designed to react to your inputs of forces of leaning forward, leaning back, and to spin the wheels or rather drive the wheels forward or backwards to keep you in that constant upright position where you're not at risk of falling off the Segway. So those are a few quick examples of positive feedback loops and negative feedback loops. And I think some of the main takeaways from this are that actions and reactions are obviously connected. And you need to understand how a change is going to impact a system or a design as a whole. How is the design also going to impact your user? Is it going to incentivize them to do something or de-incentivize them to do something? Do you want a positive feedback loop to be the result of your design or do you want it to be a negative feedback loop where you maintain some sort of stability or homeostasis? Uh, does it encourage a certain behavior? Again, do you want more of that behavior or do you want less of that behavior? And that's why it's really important and crucial to understand positive feedback loops in your design and negative feedback loops in your design and how other, uh, other people or users' inputs or actions uh, will be impacted, either how they will be impacted by, by your design or how their actions will impact your design. And that leads us now to the Design 30 discipline for this week. And this discipline is essentially just three statements, starting with a positive feedback loop will amplify or increase a system output. A negative feedback loop will dampen and stabilize to maintain an equilibrium. And finally, neither is inherently good or bad, but both must be understood and utilized in your designs. And so that's all I have on positive and negative feedback loops. I hope this was useful. I hope it gave you a little bit of a starting point and understanding between the two. And again, I just wanna drive home this point of neither is inherently good or bad. Obviously the examples I gave tended to lean one way or the other. Uh, a lot of good for negative feedback loops and then a lot of bad for positive feedback loops, but that's not necessarily the case. It's all about understanding how the loops work, what's the environment, what's the overall goal of your design, and how you're going to implement those feedback loops to achieve whatever your goal is. So that's it for this week. Uh, again, thanks so much for listening. 
Uh, I also want to reiterate one more time, please subscribe to the Design30 Substack as there's going to be uh, a somewhat, I don't know if it's a big announcement, there's going to be an announcement coming through there soon. Uh, I'll also announce that on Instagram. So make sure you are following Design30 on Instagram as well. Okay, that'll do it. As always, remember, design more, despair less. Thanks for listening.